0: God bless you, brothers and sisters, and welcome. Welcome to a new chapter that we are going to study, that we're going to review, that we're going to get into depth in it. Um Ephesians chapter 3, the revealing of God's Mystery. And first of all, I'm very happy just to be here with you. Very happy to begin this new journey that, that is chapter three. And uh first of all, I'm very thankful to the Lord because He is good and His and His mercy is enduring forever. Uh, I'm just very, very thankful because of all the good comments that you have given to me. Uh, all, all, the, uh, all the good words of encouragement that you have uh, provided for me uh, as, as I continue uh, in this journey with you. Um, again, uh, keep praying for Pastor Nathan, keep praying for Brother Jim. Uh, I don't know, and, and also, uh, I don't know when we, are, we will open uh, our uh, Wednesday Night Life groups. But don't worry; these classes will continue on. These classes of Ephesians will continue on. We plan to to do uh, all the books of the Bible, to do these uh, Ephesians all the way to uh, Revelations. So uh, it, it it has been it has it's it's been a good experience uh, to begin uh, these sessions of, of of Ephesians with all of you. Uh, we had a, a great time of uh, beginning chapter one. And uh, we finished chapter two last week, and today we will begin with Ephesians chapter three, the revealing of God's mystery. So let's enter very quickly uh, to section A. We will be reviewing section A, or or beginning section A. God's mystery and man's place in in it revealed. So we're going to see how uh, man is man's place is in within. The, the mystery of god or uh, uh, his mystery and we and don't don't get uh confused by w- the word mystery we will uh touch base on it we will explain what i will explain we will i'm sorry i th- <laughs> we will explain i will explain Did i just say that again my bad uh but i will explain as as we continue on this class but uh, we will begin let, let us let us begin. We're gonna enter. Uh, if you can open up your Bibles, I hope you have your, your Bible open to Ephesians chapter three. And also, and also, uh, uh, be ready to jot down some notes if you want to uh, about what we're what we're studying uh, uh, what we're studying and we're looking at. So, Ephesians chapter three, verses. We're gonna read from verse one all the way to verse five. And the Word of God says. Uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known me the mystery of, As I have briefly written already by which you have read, you may understand by knowledge in the mystery of Christ, verse 5, which in other ages was not other known to the sons of men, as uh, as it has now have been revealed by the spirit of his holy apostles and prophets. Amen? So let us begin. Verses 1 through 5, the preface to the revelation of the mystery. I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus uh, of Christ Jesus for Gentiles. Now, during this time, Paul was in Rome. Paul was written the, the letter to the Ephesians during his Roman imprisonment. He was under house arrest. So, during the day, he could walk around the house. He could walk freely around the house under the supervision. Of soldiers, right? But every night, he was chained to a soldier to make sure that he didn't escape before the trial. Before his trial, before uh, till uh, before before his trial before Caesar. So he was going to be tried before Caesar. He was going to uh, see Caesar, who was the emperor of Rome at that time. So now, uh, he imagine imagine how how Paul was feeling. Having been chained every night to a soldier. Imagine how the soldier felt. You know, oh, well, he's not going to escape. I know that he's not going to escape, but they're going to tie him up. Now, let us remember that Paul, during his ministry, he was always going to jail. He was always in jail, but God saved him from it. So, he saw himself, and it's pretty ironic that he saw himself as a prisoner. Because a lot of prisoners don't like being in prison. They feel caged. But he saw himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus was the Lord of his life, not the Roman government. So if he was a prisoner, he was Jesus' prisoner. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? He wasn't the soldier, he wasn't a prisoner of a government. He wasn't a prisoner of a regime or or a tyrant or a, a dictator or an empire. no, he was the prisoner of Jesus Christ. of the man, of the God that he served. For you Gentiles, the entire reason he was under arrest, uh, under arrest and awaiting trial was because of his missionary efforts on the behalf of the Gentiles. That was his service. That was his ministry. He was chosen for that particular reason, to be the Apostle of the Gentiles. So Paul did suffer for the very truth. He would explain to the Ephesians. And this this did not make him back down one bit. The last thing Paul wanted was for people to to feel sorry for him. Because he was in prison. He wanted his readers to to realize that it was a benefit for them that he was a prisoner. Why was it a benefit? Because he was still writing. He was still preaching during a bad time. He was still preaching during a bad time. What we would consider something bad, he was treating it as as a chance and an opportunity to spread the word. I find that amazing because he didn't hold back. He didn't back down even though he, he suffered, even though he went through tribulation, even though he went through shipwrecks. He didn't back down. Sounds kind of familiar, right? He wasn't going to back down. He wasn't going to give up. He wasn't going to let the enemy prevail. He wasn't going to let the gospel just, just hit a stomp, A, a stump. He was going to continue to break through. So that's what he did. And he didn't want any, anyone to feel pity on him. He wanted to continue. He wanted to fight. And he did. Right? He did. If indeed you have heard, this suggests, Paul knew his particular calling to the Gentiles, to the Gentile world, was well known among Gentile Christians. Of course, he was the apostle to the Gentiles, so his ministry was well known amongst Christian Gentiles. Right? So, you have heard of the dispensation of the, of God, of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. The word dispensation speaks of the implement strategy of God's plan in the church. Do You remember what we studied in chapter 1? Remember God's ultimate plan? Wood says here in Ephesians 1 uh, 10. However, it is to be interpreted rather as an, 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 an uh, uh, implementation, I'm sorry of the strategy it's actually one nine but if you want to read one nine and ten it's okay one nine and ten so the strategy is the ultimate plan of reuniting gentile and jew under one body that we're all one body in Christ that is the uh, the strategy right By the dispensation of the grace of God, we may understand either the apostolic office and gifts granted to St. Paul, this is what Clark is saying, for the purpose of preaching the gospel among the Gentiles, or the knowledge which God gave him, that gracious and divine plan which he had formed for the the conversion of the Gentiles. Now. This revelation that, that Paul is speaking, he wasn't inventing anything. He wasn't making anything up. God gave the revelation that he was only his messenger of this truth. It cost Paul a lot to hold on to this mystery. So he probably would not have made it up himself. He went through a lot. So why, why, he didn't have any reasons to make this revelation up. It is indeed, it's indeed amazing that God would take a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee and a persecutor of the church to be the main minister of this mystery, the mystery of the work of the gospel in bringing Jew and Gentile together into one new body. That my friend, is the mystery. Right there. The gospel bringing together the Jew and the Gentile and forming one body. We're all part of the body of Christ. Amen. He made known to be the mystery Me, the mystery. The principle Paul will describe is a mystery, yet it is known. However, it would never be known if God did not make it known. There's still part of that mystery. We said that the gospel unites. God made that known. Right, think about it. Now, Stott tells us, in English, a mystery is something dark, obscure, secret, and puzzling. What is mysterious is uh, unexplicable, even uh, incomprehensible, sorry. The Greek word mysterion is different though. Although it's still a secret, It is no longer closely guarded, but open. More simply, Mysterion is a truth hitherto hidden from human knowledge or understanding by, by now disclosed by the revelation of God. Think about that. It's out in the open. God revealed it. God made it known. Who did God make known? It was his word. Jesus is that mystery. It was known. The gospel was known. It wasn't a mystery, was it? But it's the mystery that was revealed to Paul. God's ultimate plan of reuniting Jews and Gentiles to become one. In Christ one body in Christ he made known to me the mystery Paul did not hesitate to claim that the mystery he will reveal was given to him by revelation but it was not given only to him only only to him by revelation now it was also given specifically to Peter by revelation in Acts 11 1 through 18 and it, is a consistent, it, and it is consistent with prophecy in the Old Testament, such as Isaiah 49 and 6. And it's the specific words of Jesus in Acts 1, 8. I'm going to give you some time to write those down and, and, and you go and, and, and take a look at it, right? Acts 11, 1, 8, 1 through 18, Isaiah 49 and 6 and Acts 1 and 1, 8. However, it seems that God used Paul to declare specifically how Jews and Gentiles will join together in one body of Christ. This was something hinted all through others, but only specifically detailed through Paul's revelation. Paul trusted that his readers would understand what God revealed to him, and surely we understand that now. Well, Paul what what, what God revealed to him. We made known to the sons of men. We made known to the sons of men as it was been revealed. The nature of the union of Jews and Gentiles into this new body is the aspect that was not made known. In the Old Testament, the salvation of the Gentiles in in the Messiah is prophesied. Prophesied. The coming together of Jews and Gentiles into the church is never spoken of. Now, I'm going to give you something, and and, and I want you to think about this. Please think about this. The Jews, the Jews were very exclusive. They thought that they were the only chosen people of God, and God did chose them as his holy nation. Yes, they were chosen. But the plan of salvation, the plan of salvation, the plan that God had in store was for all humanity to be restored. So yes, in the old Testament, the salvation of the Gentiles through the Messiah, through Jesus is prophesied, but the Jews thought that they were exclusive. And that's why we have those problems. We have those super apostles, those super people that said no. They have to convert into Judaism to follow Jesus, and well, Paul said no. They have the equal right, they have the equal opportunity, the privilege to accept the, uh, accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The gospel was not only Jew exclusive. It was for everyone. Now, think about this. Were the wise men Jews? No. The wise men weren't Jews. They were Gentiles. Because they came from the East. And what did they do? They came to worship Jesus, when he He was born. They were Gentiles, and they came to worship Jesus. They weren't Jews. They were from the East. They were from far away. They were Gentiles, and they came to worship Jesus. Isn't that remarkable? Now think about this. Let's take it to the Old Testament. Abraham wasn't a Jew. Abraham was from Mesopotamia. Or from Babylon, if you want to say that. But he wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. But he was chosen to start the Jewish nation. But he was a Gentile as well. That he was chosen by God. So the gospel is not exclusive, my friend. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is that antidote that this world needs in order to survive. And in order to be saved. Right? Let's enter. Now we're going to go into verses 6 and 7. Right. 6 and 7 says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Verse 7, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Verses six and seven, the mystery described. Here Paul is gonna describe this mystery. And right here, it, it begins on the, on, on the first part of verse six. This describes the mystery itself, that believe, believing Jews and believing Gentiles are joined together into one body of Christ, into one church, and no longer separated before God as such. Now let us remember, and I showed it to you uh, during our, our chapter 2 class. Remember the temple. Remember how it was separated. How the Jews could enter and be in the inner realms, in the inner courts of the temple. But the Gentiles had to stay outside of the inner courts. The women had their own court and the, and, and the men had their own court. But the Gentiles had to stay away. There was a wall. They couldn't come through, they couldn't pass through. That's what that's what Paul was stating in chapter two, that Jesus came to remove all those walls. And that is the mystery itself. That we, that the gent whether it's, it's a Jew or a gentile, they're one in the same body. And we are one in the same body because we belong in the body of Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. And we're also this, partakers of his promise in Christ. The truth of this mystery means that Gentiles are now now full partakers of the promise. This was a privilege no longer reserved only for for the believing Jewish person. Remember, the Jews thought they were very exclusive. The Jews thought that the gospel was only meant for them. No, no, no. Paul said, "No, it's Jesus died for all humanity, not just for one race or for one people, right? And how and how is this? How is this? How do we become partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel? Through the gospel. That is only how we can become." partakers in in Christ this would o- this would only happen through the gospel where all men have an equal standing in Jesus we're all equal in Jesus this is the same gospel Paul is a this is the same gospel uh, the same gospel Paul is a servant of because of the gift because of the gift of grace given to him by the working of God's power. Paul was a servant of this gospel. Let, let us go, and, and we're going to end here, in this slide. Paul says that he is a minister, but that title is of service, not of the exaltation, or not to boast yourself. In classical literature of ancient Greece, the minister the Greek word is diakonos, diakonos, what says it is a table waiter who is always at the, at the bidding of his customers. A lot of people don't want to be waiters. But Paul says that he's a minister. He's a servant. He's a servant. He's not someone who wants to boast, and let us remember, Paul didn't boast about his ministry. Now, something that we discussed, that that Pastor Ta- uh, Taggy was mentioning to me, as as, as we as we were uh, coming over, he was mentioning to me something very particular, very uh, amazing about Paul. Now. Because it it, it, it it touches the areas of ministry. Paul was taught under he was under the tutelage of Gamaliel, one one of the top teachers in Israel. So, teacher, we got that. Now, he was also when Stephen was stoned. The word says that his cloak was placed to the feet, to the feet of Saul of Tarsus. Who was Stephen? He was an evangelist. Keep that in mind. Teacher, evangelist. When Ananias, when, when God told Ananias to go look for Paul, and heal him. That was a prophecy. So, prophet. When Barnabas, when Barnabas or Barnabas, uh, I, I can't, I can't. Barnabas. Barnabas. Thank you. Barnabas came and took Saul at the time to the apostles. He he, they made him into what a disciple or an apostle. And lastly, it says that they placed hands on him and then went. Here we see how Paul, Paul is all parts, five parts of ministry, all into one, a teacher, an evangelist, prophet, a disciple or apostle, and a missionary, he was sent and we should be like that too. But what Paul, Paul didn't, 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 you know, boast in those abilities or those characteristics because what he, he said he was in the beginning. Of the verse in the beginning of the chapter, he said, "I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ." What does that mean? I'm a follower. I'm imitating. And remember what Paul said: "Be imitators of me, as I am of Jesus Christ." So let us let us keep that in our mind. Let us be imitators of Jesus. Let us continue to walk in His path. Right. So right here. We're gonna end. It's a great start to, to to the first seven to the first seven verses of chapter three. And with that I thank you. I wanna thank you for this time. Thank you for for, stay, for, for sticking around. <laughs> and let us remember that our our our, uh, our class at nine o'clock for for our brothers in English. And we have an English class now in person. And don't forget about our class, our, our, sorry, our class, our class, no, our service at 10 o'clock, uh, in person, full capacity, but still with regulations, but full capacity. And also, also, if you don't live in the San Diego area, you can watch us at 10 o'clock for, uh, in our live stream. But if you do live in the San Diego area, you're more than welcome to come and rejoice alongside with us. So with that said, I just wanna thank you for this time. May God bless you, may God protect you, and have a blessed week. And I'll see you here next week. God bless you.